yellow baby buggy bumpers. The human torch was denied a bank loan. Unique New York. Unique. How now, brown cow? That a boy. How now, brown cow? I love you. So uh, this is a pretty fun little thing right here. Uh, I get to say welcome to another meeting. Uh, I'm Kevin, that is Jason. I am a butcher, he is a hunter. And today we have another chef with us. We have Joe Z from Nash from Old Pueblo Grill. I always have a hard time saying it. Getting the Pueblo out after old. Do, do you get that a lot? Yeah, everyone wants to say Pablo. Pablo Honey, baby. To totally cool. That's why we abbreviate and just say OPG. It's yeah, easier. OPG. Very, so, very California. Yeah. yeah. Super. Yeah. Don't judge. I'm not judging. <laughs> I can't wait for Laney, my kid, and I have already decided that's going to be our meetup spot in Victor. That's halfway for both of us when the new joint opens. So. Oh, yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. So that gets right to it, man. I mean, uh, so people know Nosh. People know OPG, right? But... Um, you know, and, and I think your origin story has kind of been out there and about for a little bit too, you know yeah. what I mean? But, yeah. you know, like, tell me, like, what's going on? Like, pandemic is a long time, man. Pandemic is a long time. There's a lot of things that go on. There's, a, like, you had things in the works that, like, were probably going and you had to pivot and switch. And now you're back here. We're 2023 now. And so, like, where are we at? I'm thankful to be alive. Okay. I'm thankful for the businesses to be alive. Um thankful to have the people in our lives still that started it i mean it's been COVID has been a true test to all the hospitality industry i'd have to say absolutely it's been a a pretty hard struggle um more time than we even had to talk about in this episode but i mean the fact remains that you know very blessed we're healthy we're moving along we're trying to recover we've changed some of our tactics and our ways to be current um dealing with the struggles of uh supply and demand and increase in inflation and what's the funniest thing because <laughs> i think anybody that was in the industry is going to have that question right what's the funniest thing you had a problem with supply chain wise because like none of it was funny in the moment but like like we're we're, we're now in in hindsight so what what I mean, was Kevin, funny? i'm being honest i can't even remember there's so many of the stupidest ingredients that you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Whether it's fryer oil, or it's a pork chop, or it's like, God, what was one of the craziest things? I can't recall that off the top of my head right now. Well, Greg, yeah, Greg was here last uh, last last time, and uh, he was, was salt. Couldn't believe like that there was a salt shortage, especially the fact that like we're 45 minutes away from Salt City. The only know? thing that wasn't a shortage was the word shortage. Shortage. Hand to God, it's absolutely ridiculous. You're like. And it's like, you know, you normally like order things, they appear. It's yes. like a magical yeah. system that we have in the restaurant industry, right? But you know, when they're like, oh, pork chop? No, there's a shortage. Didn't you hear about like yeah. the 5 million pigs that died? I'm like, no. Yeah. Uh, we got a shortage on chicken wings. We got a shortage on this net. It's like- What is it now? Eggs? Eggs are the problem Eggs now? are the problem, I guess. Yeah. 
Sure are. Price has gone crazy through. Actually, local eggs are now more inexpensive. They're they're more cost effective. Local eggs, if you can find them in any quantity, than. Well, all those little roadside sedans on the way home, like three dollar dozen, three dollar dozen. But so I feel like I'm kind of blessed to live on the outlying spots. But it is crazy to think like we were just at lunch and our friend was saying, "I just got a great deal on eggs," and they were three sixty nine a dozen. I'm like, "Where the heck are?" But I'm sheltered. And like live in a place where I can drive by road stand egg stand still. And, oh, like, you're very just, like. Oh, they're still in a blue cooler out in front, and they're you know three dollars a dozen, and sure. they're covered in chicken blood and shit, and they yep. can stay on your shelf for four weeks. And uh, they're awesome. Well, I that's mean, I mean like that's the dilemma of the local food movement in general, right? Yeah. Like just sure the. You, out here, you can get local fresh food all the time, right? But it's in the cities where the most population is that could use those things. It's yeah. harder to get those things into the city from the country. Yeah. So there you have it, right? I was watching And, and then you put that into the country where it's like all your food is produced right here in the center of it, yeah. but all the people live out here on the edge of it. Right. Oh, yeah. I was watching something. Some comedian the other day was super funny about um, the guy's like, you and your woke ass. <laughs> you... you you look at a shovel and your hands are going to get blistered on it. Like, I saw that. I yeah, yeah, like just yesterday on Instagram. You're woke yeah. ass. There's some guy that's definitely voting in a different way than you are. Like, yeah. like MF and you because you don't know anything about lettuce and eggs. <laughs> like, they just show up in their store. The best part about that one is he, he totally like turned the tide because he started out talking uh, bad about the center of the country right. and and it, he must have been in like a New York City type of place oh, 100%, like, like yeah, yeah. metropolitan yeah, yeah. area because yeah. like the crowd was just like yeah that's super funny yeah. and then like he switched it up and he's like you soft ass you bitches soft and ass they were like whoa they were, they were all laughing by the end of it oh, it's yeah, yeah. so true that like you know I sent that to my buddies in New York City that like come up here and you think like they're wearing Carhartts because they're from around yeah. here but they've never seen like it was hysterical my one buddy who's you know a Park Slope Brooklyn you know straight up city kid comes up every once in a while and is blown away by the fact that like like I own a bar and I have a riding lawnmower sure. like what's that for I'm like yeah, it's to mow yeah. my lawn Dude, can I ride that? Like, <laughs> it just bonkers to do, like this perception of like what they see us as, like bumpkins or in right. I mean, like, well, it's just strange. You know, five mile difference, and somebody has no idea, no like idea. the things that you go right. through in your life or what you do with your life. Right. And it's like they have no clue of like the resources that are available. So I lived in New York City three times, right? Okay. Uh, and every single one of those times, when I got when I went there, I was like, whew. I am gonna be so happy to get out of the country where I'm from and you get into the city and you, and you don't realize how much of a country boy you are until you're getting intimate with people on a subway and you're like, you know what? That like 40 minute commute to work on the, the, the back roads where nobody is, but I might have to watch myself late at night, you know, catching a deer or watch something out like for that. Might, yeah, like that, that's all right. Like yeah. I'm, all, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's kind of funny because like we all kind of know my back history, where I came from, what I did. But in case you haven't, it's like I grew up like that, but 2,500 miles west. Right. In Arizona, I grew up in a, a small town that was known for cotton farming. Yeah. Thousands of acres. I mean, my, our house and our road was like one of three houses. The rest were trailers. Yeah. And we grew up in a town that was super small that still had a place called a saloon. Nice. We still had a yeah. gas station that had a pump that had the rotary dial on That's it. That's awesome. People could ride their horses to the laundromat, to the bar, hitch their freaking horse up. 
Yeah. And that's how I grew up. I grew up in the country. And then yeah. it's like I come out here, and it's like even the rural areas out here are just still different. Sure. Um, well, you're never that far away from anything here. Like, yeah, out there. It was like yeah. what you're saying, 40-minute drive, and we called it town. Tucson right. yeah. was town. Yeah. You got in your car for 40 minutes to drive wherever you're going. That was called town. You did your job. You went home. I put 40,000 miles in my car one year. Just driving. Just driving to and from work and going to the grocery store. That's funny. There's a, no. there's a place I've never... These places are always kind of shocking when you see them for the first time. So I was driving... I was in Kansas a couple weeks ago. Um, the ranch is uh, pretty long, like 45 miles long. Like to drive. It's huge. So in the middle of this, where the roads like leave the ranch and come back into it, there's a town called... I think it's called uh, Bloomville. Bloomville. And it is... Um, there's a post office there, which I find hysterical because it's like four houses that are all pretty much, you can tell like they share a yard and stuff. It is like some crazy artist. The one, the ranch was called uh, uh, Break Wind Ranch. So like, break he's wind. like, Break Love Wind it. Ranch, oh, wow. which I had to explain to a South African guy. <laughs> he's like, oh man, I thought that was Native American or something. <laughs> no. Like, no, dude, it's Break Wind, it means fart. He goes, that's hysterical. Like, yeah. So like, I'm driving through this town for the first time and like, wow, this is, this is the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. I have a new understanding of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm driving through, and, like, I'm coming to a, it's like sand roads, you know? I'm coming to a stop sign, and there's just a horse walking, like... By itself? By itself. Love it. Like, big old grayback horse. Like, it's 7.30 in the morning, and yeah. this horse is like... I'm like, where am I? <laughs> I guarantee that those people don't have a problem getting eggs. No, <laughs> like, absolutely not. not. a shot. No. They have no understanding that there's a whole world out here that's, like, having an egg shot. And there's so many places like that. Yeah, they're just self-sufficient, I mean, which is, like... I tend to see that, like, more out west, midwest, you have those pockets of land where you have, like, an hour between seeing anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Just beautiful land, rolling hills or mountains, whatever it could be. Yeah. It reminds me, because where I used to deer hunt in Arizona, a place called uh, Hannigan's Meadow or near Alpine, Arizona. It's midway up the state, borders uh, Reserve, New Mexico. Uh, and it fantastic place for my home it was five hour drive so in Arizona it's a lottery system yeah. you put in for deer even if you're a resident even if you're a resident the only oh, thing you can shit. buy over the counter is archery deer oh that's terrible hmm. it is terrible really that's it still and it's only only bucks no does but is it white tail uh, there's Who's a mix deer? so we have coos white and mule deer yeah. yeah we have yeah. it all because of the, the the variation in climate we go from like zero yeah. to like ten thousand foot elevation so you have the rockies and you have like the i can't believe it's desert. a lottery for yeah. residents the only so other place i've heard of that is maine with i put in for elk i don't know ten times yeah. got drawn twice my yeah. whole life yeah that's crazy so you spend your whole time just hoping you're gonna go hunting and then it's like you have a, a selected amount of days that you hunt the season's yeah. open for seven days yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go out there, and wherever you're going, you got to camp. You got to do everything. Yeah, yeah. So we were five hours away, and that's where we camped and hunted, man, in the White Mountains, in the middle of nowhere, like a true understanding of middle of nowhere. Yes. I feel I, like New York State has like the benefit of. Um, it feels like you're never ever very very far away from the time. Like even if you're in the middle of nowhere here, you're like still you feel like, like that for a minute. Right, and then you'll right. like run into something. You like, got, oh, I mean, you should get up the Adirondacks, and then you're like maybe 45 minutes from someplace, but you're okay. never very far from anywhere here, right? Yeah. Where in Utah, like when I'm 55 miles down a dirt road, like, yeah. like this is the way, dirt road, like, like sketchy dirt a road. single lane, like dirt not road. a house yeah. on it. And then, like, I'll there, so I had, a, I got into camp in Utah on like a Friday, 
and like just assume there's food in camp, no food in camp. So like, I, had to, I actually had to like fish for food, like <laughs> like caught rainbow Love trout it. and cooked them and stuff. There it is, but, right uh, there. Yep. But that we, I knew like I had enough gas to get back to town, and town was still what, an hour and a half away, right? Yep. So I'm like, all right, I'll. Uh, I found out I land, I got there Friday. Found out Saturday that there's nobody coming. Going to town Sunday. Get shopping and get some get some not even real shopping just get into that town to like get some gas and like get to the real town and uh didn't realize it's all um uh, mormons oh okay. there's nothing happening on sunday no so like i sat out inside i got to a gas station at, like 7 30 in the morning like thinking like and pulled in on fumes like there's no getting anywhere else like pulled in like at this point, I haven't talked to anybody since Friday. So, like, I landed <laughs> You're a hermit. in the airport, right, and like left and got into this truck and drove back to camp, and uh, like was like, "This is a new understanding of the middle of the night. Yeah, oh yeah, man. And like sat outside that that uh, gas station, like opens at nine. Sunday with a question mark. Sunday question mark. I'm like, if somebody decides to want to get, what up, do I do even something? do? And sat there and like waited, and then finally some guy like showed up. He goes, "You been out here for a long time?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "I'll go get Joe." Like, <laughs> Turn the pump awesome. on. Awesome. And like this guy comes like a half hour later and's like, "You need some gas?" I'm like, "So I'm here." You know what? A lot of me wants to be a wise ass right now, but none of me is going to be doing that. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Like, none, none, of, none of that's helping. Right. And then it was like <laughs> six bucks a gallon too, because it was m- really middle of nowhere. Sure. Couldn't imagine what it cost to get get stuff delivered there, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think like those places probably have no understanding of like what's happening, like shortage wise, because you're so far away from the city. Those places are just shortage. forced to deal with that our whole life. Right, right. Those people bake stuff and you know have right. eggs and pigs and they take care of themselves. But now, is this just something like you learned recently through your travels from uh, being like a, a chef? Yeah, oh, it's a tough word, you know. So I think <laughs> I, uh, I know you did it on purpose. <laughs> I saw you. So. Um, the travels, like, I, I was in the military, yep. and I, but we're, you know, when we were in the military, you're on a base, and, like, you'd wander off the base and, like, go to a place that everybody went to, so it was never far away. For me, really, truly understanding, like, these, like, outlying places, yeah, this is all pretty new to me. Like, where it's like, holy shit, this is, like, this is, you know, it, we were hunting the other day, and our friend got hurt, and, um, like jumped a creek and tore a hamstring, like pulled a hamstring. Yeah. So, what do I do? Like, buddy, this is self rescue. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Man. Yeah. Like, you're like you're calling me on the phone. You're like four miles away from me at the top yeah. of this drive, and like, right. it's like, what should I do? And I'm like, nothing I can do for you. My suggestion is like, either like if you're hurt really bad, you got to call the cops, call nine one one to have someone come get you. If you're not hurt that bad, you think you can move? Keep moving because you don't want to freaking yeah. have that shit. So he like hobbled out like two miles on his own, but yeah, see, hunting out there is a whole different ballgame. You gotta be so careful about what you do and how you go about it. It's yeah. weird to think like somebody said to me, "You don't know what people don't know, right?" You look at a guy and say like, "This guy is a hunter. This guy knows, yeah. you know, he'll be he he knows what to do." But just because you're dressed head to toe in Sika doesn't mean you know what it does mean is like you went and spent a lot spent a lot of money on really high end equipment. But that doesn't mean it's not a freaking stamp of like education. Right. You know, like in my backpack, like I'm carrying my first aid kit, I got a mirror with me, a compass with me, all that shit. Like I I I in the military I did land navigation orientation. Mm-hmm. Um which says to me and like that I should be able to pull out a map and tell you where I am and like how to get to where I'm going. Um 
and I've been lost twice in my life after that. And I got lost in uh, the Mark Twain National Forest, or sorry, sorry, the Shawnee National Forest in Illinois, which was 500,000 acres. And I just walked in on a deer, deer trail and turned around like 20 minutes later. I was like, oh, I'll just go back down that deer trail. Completely lost, panicked, like walked out, <laughs> walked out like four hours later. Both my buddies were like, sleeping next to their four-wheeler. Where, where'd you go? Like, <laughs> <sighs> coming out full panic. And the second time I got lost, like where I had a slight amount of panic was the other weekend, like hunting back there. And I got off the top of the hill and I just knew the top of the, but you're, what you don't roll into is like physical exhaustion, like dehydration, like yeah. mental, like you're cold, like all these things like say um, you're in trouble. Like these fight or flight things start coming up in your head. And uh, I, I like got to the top of this hill and I'm like exhausted. And I knew like if I went back down the hill, three miles, I could make it back to where I started. But I'm too exhausted to do that. And I'm at the top. I'm like, so I know if I head east, I'm gonna hit this road. Yep. Which on my Onyx shows like half mile away. What I didn't take into account is like the snow is to my knees, and like you're trudging through. So I'm not hunting anymore. Right. I'm actively like, like panicking, yeah. right? I'm like, I should stop and start a fire because I'm really cold and I'm like thirsty and like all these things. And I was like, my Onyx is working. Like, oh my gosh, I'm in a bit of trouble here. And I was like, oh shit, I got a compass. I know that road's this way. Like, I don't, but you, a lot of cold weather stuff is like, you know, like you stop moving, you're going to get really cold. Mm -hmm. So, I, but you need energy to keep moving. <coughs> I pull out my compass and like realize like I'm, half a mile away from this road and all I have to really do is make it to this road I get to that road start a fire get cell service back and the, like my other buddy is in the same exact boat but oh, no didn't shit. have like the resources you did right the thought process of like right. don't panic just like do this so he, we're in and out of cell service he calls and he's like dude totally turned around like I'm on this creek bed and like and like keep losing him phone keeps dropping I'm like all I can get through to him every once in a while is like, just head east. You're going to hit that road. Head east, hit that road. <laughs> and I can see probably a half mile down that road. So, like, I'll know when he pops out. And, uh, you know, long story short, an hour and 20 minutes goes by. It's getting dark. And, like, he finally pops out. Yep. And, like, he comes out of the woods. Very similar to the way I came out of the woods in Illinois. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Like, Here's a power bar, dude. Come over here. Get warm by this fire. And, like, he was just so elated to see someone. But, like it's always kind of comical to me to see like a guy dressed in carts from New York city. Right. Yeah. Like Put the gear on. Has no idea. Like what, what the, what that, like what that middle. Carries a knife, really doesn't know how to use it. Right. What middle, yeah. what, what, yeah. Woke as hell. <laughs> I, uh, I, that reminds me when I was a kid, we used to, like I said, we used to hunt in the area up in the white mountains in Arizona and, uh, about 10 miles west of where we used to camp there's like this random string of like cottages or cabins if you will that you could rent there was like 10 of them so as a family we used to also go up there and camp and uh my dad woke up one morning he's like hey let's go for a hike i'm like oh fuck you know, i'm a fat little kid i don't want to hike anymore dude like i'm like ah oh, fine dad let's go hike he's like it'll be a quick one so we start hiking start following like a little creek bed started doing all this stuff and i was like you know dad it's been about two and a half hours we kind of been walking the whole time. Do we know where we're going? He's like, of course I know where I'm going. This is where I hunt. I said, okay. Another hour and a half went by. I'm like, dad, we ain't got no water. I'm getting tired. What's going on? He's yeah. like, we're pretty fucking lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
those are not the words you want to hear from your father. Yeah, the honesty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it was like, okay, so we knew we were at one point, and then we realized how far we were. Yeah. So needless to say that this quick hike turned into a 16-mile adventure. How many? 16 miles. Dear Lord. To the point where it was like, I almost was like the point of just giving up, but then I noticed an area, and my dad knows an area that we were familiar with, made it to the road. Yeah. Did one of these numbers, like, hey, help yeah. us out, and yeah. then drove us back. And we calculated the miles, and 16 miles he got us lost. That's wild. That was the last time I went on a hike with my father. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lost a lot of trust. <laughs> lost a lot of, lot, lot of things on that one, man. It was, it was rough, but I know what that feeling is, where you're just like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I felt confident. I felt good. What do I have on me? I just have, like, a knife and a water bottle at this yeah. point, because it was supposed to be a quick thing. Biggest right. mistakes you always do is underestimate what's going to happen to you out in the wilderness. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were talking about it in the cold. Like I wouldn't. It, Thank God it was like the summertime for us, so it's warm. But I feel else. like most people in the cold wouldn't necessarily think about dehydration. Oh, you're but right on that. But it's more more relevant then than any. One hundred percent. You're sweating. You don't feel it. Yeah. You're right. You're losing. And your body's using more to keep you warm. Right. You're yeah. burning calories. So like much crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we were fishing the other day on uh, Cuga Lake, and it was. 25 degrees we were out there from seven o'clock in the morning three thirty in the afternoon and just couldn't um couldn't have like been i, I like i don't mean to be a pussy but like i was like done at like 11 30 like this is ridiculous and we stayed out there for three three and a half more hours well wind for a prolonged amount of time adds a whole nother level water Oh yeah, yeah, adds a whole nother level. Water and Hand, wind. Hands Forget wet, about yeah. it. Hands you're wet, you're next level. Hands wet, nonstop. But it's like one of those things where you don't realize like how much how like you're standing still on a boat, but like your body's trying to keep you warm. I got home. I think I got home at like five thirty, and just I think I ate until eight o'clock at night. Just yeah. like oh, just because I had when you posted so that much. about it like being rough, and I was like. For Jason to say that, it's pretty fucking true. Because I remember, was it last year when you fell in the yeah. lake? Oh, yeah. that was the spring. Yeah, Holy cow, spring. I remember March. that. Yeah. We almost died, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, if this guy's saying this is tough, I'm like, I'm going to take his word for it. This shit was tough. It was cold out there, man. He right. made the duck hunters look bad. That was, uh, yeah. That was scary. But I, I got invited duck, duck hunting a couple uh, weeks before that. Like, and uh, it was the, the, and, the guy that fell in the lake was like, "Don't, what are you doing? Like, we're not going." To, she's like, "No, no, the guy's got a boat, and like, we can try." I'm like, "I don't know you that well. I don't know that guy at all." Like, it's 25 mile per hour winds outside. It's Ooh. like 10 degrees outside, and everything in me, there's always like this like balance. I'm like, "Are you being a candy ass, or are you being semi intelligent about this?" Right. And I'm always like making that decision. Like, am I being a candy ass? Like, that's a big hill. Like, ah. Uh, I'm just being a candy ass. That's a big hill, and it's like covered in ice, and like I can slip and fall. That's being intelligent. So like, yeah. her inviting me on that duck hunt, I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it's 25 miles per hour wind. It's like 10 degrees outside. Yeah. Like, it's not really for me. And I just had a cold water incident, and uh, there was like a blank in the text thread for a while, <laughs> and she's like. Okay, I understand everybody's bailing. I'm like, yeah, it's because it's freaking terrible. I'm like, These people are smart. <laughs> and now I have a lot more respect for them yep. than I did before. But yeah, that's. Uh... It's so weird because I like, guess we're talking and we're talking about like how like being aware of your situation and what you're doing. I'm realizing more and more how like as a kid, like my, my father's like involvement with the military, being in the army for 37 years, yeah, and also awesome. like being a part of like the outdoors and hunting and fishing, like how much that really plays into like your awareness on your professional level. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like we we're talking about the show, like yeah, you go into like thinking like you never know what's gonna happen. It's like you go into like a dinner service at a restaurant or prepping it out or an event or whatever it might be, and it's like you have this thought process of like all the what ifs, and you yeah. kind of like are very more aware of your situation of what can go wrong. Well, you're, or something you're what can go right. You're doing a threat analysis yes. already. You're used yes. to that, right? Yes. And, and like planning out a, a safe a, a, a safe way to do it and uh, planning out a what if the worst case happens, right? Yes, like you gotta yes. have both ends of it. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with like being in the outdoors and being prepared. Like you said, you have a compass, you have, yeah. the most important thing, like even a pad of paper and a pen right. are huge tools to have. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can document where you're at, a landmark, something to kind of keep your brain fresh in case you're not used to like where you're at. Yeah. Same thing with a kitchen or like an event or a banquet or whatever it might be. You're planning and putting lists together, like, oh, we only have this many of this. What happens if we run out of this? What if this person calls in? Like, you're just constantly analyzing everything. Yeah, yeah I think uh, one of the biggest um, phrases in the military is adapt and overcome. So, like, you're constantly, yeah. like, here's what's happening to you now. You're adjusting to that, and how do you move on from that sure. and move forward? Because, I mean, like, you know, you guys know as, like, chefs that, like, this isn't coming out the way I was needed to come out. And like, this is a pretty important part of my meal. And like, I need to do this to this. And like, I, I'll never uh, forget. I was, I did um, smoked deviled eggs uh, in the spring for Tiff. Lee and Tiff had, Tiff just had all these eggs. She's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, oh, let's just do deviled eggs. Everybody likes deviled eggs. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll smoke them. It'll be really cool. She's like, oh my God, smoked deviled eggs. That sounds awesome. And whatever happened, like the, the eggs were just like, monstrous like when they came off the smoker they just like weren't like i'd done this a bunch of times on my stick burner at home but i never sure. did it on a pellet grill which i just assumed the pellet grill was gonna be way easier yeah whatever happened it looked like these eggs were just like they went from like beautiful deviled eggs on the on the smoker to like coming off the smoker they were like all just shriveled up and stuff i'm like oh these look awful and tiff <laughs> comes around the corner and she's like oh and like Tiff, confidence. It's like everybody's like sister, and she's not gonna hold it back from you. But she's like, these look. Um, I'm like terrible. What am I gonna do? And uh, and then like I just put them on the th like I piped in the stuff and like made them all look pretty and stuff. And you know put them out and like nobody knew that seven minutes beforehand I was, was completely panicking yeah, yeah, about yeah. like whether I could even yep. serve these things or not. And it's uh, kind of funny how. A lot of that stuff. And I think like, through your adventures of being a chef and working with primitive equipment, yeah, I think you're going to like have so many awesome stories of failures because yeah. it's like, as a chef for 25 years now, man, I, this sounds bad, but I have less and less failures now than I ever had oh, before. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's not as interesting. I love the aspect of like showing up to a camp and um, so I just assume that most camps are going to have some kind of grill, some kind of, you know, that back Utah Flat hunt. top or something. something yeah. Like Blackstone, like something. And uh, that Utah hunt I showed up to had a, um, oh my God, like the first night, they had like a, a propane grill. And that was, and they had a pretty cool like little kitchen, but like sure, nothing I wanted that was going to add to the like experience of like outdoor cook. Like you could make this, so cool like right you know you could like have some like cast iron like uh, kettles out there some, you yeah. know, some dutch ovens yeah. like some of the, like some really cool stuff and like none of that stuff's there and uh the first night i turn on the grill and this is where you know i'm learning to adapt the grill like completely catches on fire like nobody had cleaned it in like forever oh no and, like the grill 
is now like I I went away to get it hung. Sure. And came around the corner and it's way too close to the shed as it is. Melted the siding. Wasn't melting the siding, <laughs> but like I noticed behind the siding that it, this happened before. Oh no and I'm shit. like, oh. And then Nobody then you like then you realize like pretty quickly that like oh that none of these guys here before are like any kind of professional cooks or chefs at all. Sure. Like they're just guys like throwing on burgers or hot dogs on this yep. grill. And uh, it, you know, however long it hadn't been cleaned, but that thing was engulfed in flames. <laughs> and my, my, I'm like, oh my God, like this is my first night cooking for everybody. Right? Sure. And I was just gonna do badass steaks on a propane grill. I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah, yeah. And my first thought is like, how do I- So what'd you do? Turned off the, turned off the propane took off the propane tank, moved it away, uh -huh. and just started throwing salt on it. Like, yep. all the salt I had yep. Milk, like, in salt. camp, just salt, 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 salt. And then, uh, like, ten minutes later, I get the flame out, and the the black mark on the shed is sure. now <laughs> clearly visible yep. that this thing was engulfed in flames. And the, uh, the owner of the camp comes around, and I was like, hey, that, uh, that... I was like, hey, that, that, that grill probably hasn't been cleaned in a while. And he goes, oh, geez, I don't even know the last time we used it. I think it caught on fire last time. <laughs> I'm like, you want to, hey, you don't got to worry about that? I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it totally caught on fire again. And he goes, oh, I thought that black mark looked a little bigger back there. And then somebody comes comes over and like, where's the moose? And like that conversation went off. Oh like, they have no idea wild. that I almost burned down. And, and the, the building that it's on is the outdoor kitchen. Like, so the whole kitchen just almost went up in flames. And I have a feeling you're going to be experiencing a lot of that the more and more that you go on. It seems like... MacGyver shit like that, though. Like on it. some level, it is fun, it right? Is like, like, when, when, like, it's boring now because you don't make as many mistakes. You don't fail as much. And that's, like, the best part about, like, his situation where you don't know what you're going to be cooking on, right. who you're going to be cooking for, what you're yeah, going to be cooking. Yeah, yeah. That was, like, uh, you're, like, playing chopped every time that you're, like, literally going to cook for a bunch of people. Which I, like, I kind of grew up cooking that way. Okay. Like, to say, like, um... You know, I grew up with my mom, who's not a great cook, and like was definitely not like stocking the shelves. The, the cupboards were bare, you know. Fair so enough. it was always like, "What can I make?" Yep. You know, like that I can make taste somewhat good, and that's how I grew up. Like, a hundred percent grew up cooking that way, and like always just like. But I also like equated. I don't know which came first, my ability to like uh, smell and combine flavors, or my ability to like. I feel like a lot of that came from the beer world. Okay. So, like, to smell hops that would go together and, like, no malts that would go together and, like, be able to make a beer based on my nose to say, like, this would, I think these would taste really well and, like, talk to the brewer about, like, this is what I would do. Yeah. And uh, I feel like, like, last night, I, um, I never cooked porgy before. And porgy's like a, like a, supposedly a trash fish like that guys keep, but it's, like, not the greatest fish. Is what it was explained to me as. So my buddy gave me a bunch of halibut the other night and a bunch of like um, uh, redfish, and he goes, "Oh, and there's some porgy in there." Like, I don't even know why I see it. Yeah, but like, You're like oh, I, great. Like, give me the confidence here. Right. But, like, but I dig that I saved, because I like, saved the shoe. But I, I don't also know what's going to do with it. I also like the idea of like there's a challenge involved there. To like this might have not turned out great for this guy, but like maybe I can. And then you can't like open a, a freezer bag and be like. Oh, this smells like this. Sure. It's like, where does this fish exist? All right, it's a it's a cold water salty fish. Like, so it's probably like it looks like a pretty firm fish. So I just like kind of looked up like a, 
like what you would do with like a halibut or redfish and or, or like what we do with perch I was like, you know what? I'm trying not to fry out, because that tempura we did was awesome. Right. But I felt bloated after eating tempura. Sure. Because I did tempura perch, and I did tempura pickerel the other night, which was awesome. And I was like, hey, I should probably get back to like maybe just Something wholesome. Some duck fat <laughs> white fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. no, that's well, I feel better about animal fat than I do about oils, you know? Oh, no. I, so, as long as it's not a seed oil, you're all right. Yeah. So, so I put this, I did this porgy thing, and I just like, Cooked one real fast in duck fat just to like try it on its own. I'm like, I don't see anything wrong with this. I don't yeah. understand the problem. And I did, um, I just had like tomato sauce in my cupboard with some like, I, I was on my own last night for dinner. I'll say that because like I wouldn't experiment like with things my wife being around because she'll just, she's my harshest critic. Sure. Bye. Bye yeah, you didn't feel to go to bed crying last night, so. Long story short, she shows up for She's like, oh, I was going to have dinner <laughs> with you. I was, I'm at home. like, oh, cool. We're having porgy, and I don't know what's going to go with this. She's like, what's porgy? I'm like, I don't really know. So I cooked this porgy. I did uh, corn salsa, like a corn red pepper tomato sauce, like okay. in the cast iron with dill and salt and black pepper and like lemon uh, pepper. And um, did the fish and just put that on top. And it was like one of the best things, like, and I don't know, like, it was so good. And I don't know if it was, like, that, like, I won because, like, I just took something that yep. people don't like that much. And I sent a picture of my buddy who caught those fish. And he goes, that looks incredible. And uh, he goes, how'd the fish taste? I'm like, it was awesome. But it's just weird to, like, think, like, how, you know, I've never been, no one's ever taught me to, like, smell and, like, taste things as I'm going along. But just Some kind people of, just have that gift, though. They so understand like, what's good is good and what's bad is bad. What, it's in my head, like, this will go together. Yeah. Like, this will go together, this will go together. And I, like, I knew enough that, like, this, this fish doesn't taste great. If it has a fishy flavor to it, like, acids and tomato sauce, the, like, the pepper, all that stuff's going to kind of cover it up. But, like, that bite together, and that's how I, I feel like I make a lot of my food is, like, it's meant to be a bite, not, like, spread apart. I really like the, like, the different textures and flavors in a bite. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for that bite. So that's kind of how I put together my, my food. And I'll tell you that first bite, man, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And my <laughs> wife's like, it's too peppery, it's too spicy. This is too spicy. I'm like, yeah, I know you don't like spice. Cause she thinks mayonnaise is spicy. Come on. It's freaking so good. And uh, she, we're having it again tonight. She's like, well, let's adjust some things. So oh, I have boy. all this porgy. I'm like, yeah, I won't put as much pepper in it. But what are we cooking now? Um, so, I was thinking about what to cook, and you know, we eat a lot of Korean style barbecue in my house, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of naturally the way that we do it. And it's a nice way to kind of eat around a fire like this because it's kind of communal. Yeah. Yes. Kind of like how we're doing things right now, right? Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's intended to be conversational, Yep. right? Um, social, it's very social. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's a style of cooking that can be done with lots of stuff, right? Like whether it's you know Korean style barbecue or it's hibachi or whatever, hot pot or whatever it is, like that kind of like table side cooking is just kind of fun, right? Um, I had some beef fat that I had uh, left over from. I don't know, it was actually a strip loin that I had cut down here. And so I just took some of the fat, kind of julienned it, and threw it in the cast iron, rendered it down, and put it on the, the 
little sizzle plate here with some yep. kimchi, get that all done up, right? Um, I went down, honestly, I went to the Menden Market. We were talking about little grocery stores and stuff like that. I love this little Menden Market down yeah, the street from me. Yeah. It's just old world, old school, small grocery store. Yeah. It's not the big chain, big name, big, uh, big letter yeah, in the yeah, alphabet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. you just, but it's got everything you want, right? Yeah. So I walk in and I'm like, all right, I had an idea of like what I wanted to get. And they actually had some uh, some boneless short rib that they had just cut. Clearly, to, but it says Chuck on it, right? So actually it's Denver steak is what it oh, was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, right? I love Denver's, yeah, yeah. Classic, so yeah. I was gonna buy it. But then, they, as you'll well, see on. in a steak. What's a Denver steak? Okay, um, now, Chuck Flap. Chuck Flap, okay, chuck flap. I know Inside chuck flap. the shoulder? Yeah. Right, inside, like off the shoulder inside, right? That. So take the take the short rib, yep. right? Extend it as it comes over um, the top of the shoulder towards the, the, the spine. Yeah. Right. It's almost like. Whenever you order a chuck roll, you actually get that section. 100%. Inside of it. Yeah. So, so if you go to the grocery store. If you store, open it up, yeah, yeah. you'll see that section where it has nice marbling and it looks like. A, yeah. You go to the grocery store, store and you buy a pot roast. If you if you get the right one, you got a nice little Denver yes. steak yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I always get sad. I'm like, oh, you're just you're, you, yeah. you just want to be loved. I, uh, it's like the chuck the chuck itself. You can cut like the first three inches off there and get really actually decent steaks off of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're yeah, preaching uh, the converted, buddy. I mean, how many steaks did I cut off of the chuck of a of a beef and put into my case? Right. Like it's <laughs> where most of the steaks came from. Pure. So good. Um, and so, you know, I, I was gonna grab that. But like we were talking about the other day, I think we're still in a, a scenario where it's like after holiday specials, right? Yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah. still somewhat yeah. close, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's also small grocery store where it's not vacuum sealed stuff, right? It's a, a shrink wrapped over the top of a, a styrofoam yeah. bolt, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got three days in that bolt and then they got to move it. So they put it on manager special, right? Yeah. They had T-bones for uh, a dollar a uh, dollar more for the final product and it was more weight and the whole I was just like yeah done yeah uh, so I picked those up instead you know because we're still gonna cook them Korean barbecue style right but like we can talk about like what that is and show you that you can literally do it with anything so like we've got the strip right I just hit it with a, a stupid little marinade um, stupid, stupid, stupid. You can tell it's just, it was stupid. It's, it's just soy sauce stupid. based, you know what I mean? Like, yep. just whatever. Um, just add some more umami, right? That's it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, kimchi kind of takes care of itself. Kimchi thing is kind of funny. Like, uh, I used to make a kimchi sausage, and the whole kimchi sausage thing was just an homage to my wife and her culture and her food. And, you know, we had. My son, who was born already, we had a daughter on the way, so it's like, how do we mix her culture, my culture, make the kids feel like they're a part of both, right? Yeah. And um, I loved when my wife would make kimchi chigae, which is just kimchi stew, right? Well, you, 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 that's like the, like so much in cooking is like building flavors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like kimchi stew, the way I'm, I'm taught it is like the very first thing you learn how to make right and it's you're just basically putting kimchi and water in a pot and making a soup from it yeah right yeah. now there's variations of that and, and yeah. you know uh, uh, but 
then you can add various things to that kimchi jjigae and it becomes other dishes, various seafood, meats, cakes, seafoods, yeah. whatever, right? And now you've got a different dish altogether. Yeah. And that's like the building of flavors to get to a place. It's all based on like what you had, right? Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I want to do that. And one of the things that we always would make it with at the house was just pork. Yeah. And so put the pork and the, the kimchi together, put it into a sausage and, it, and it's, it's great, right? So the first time I make it, uh, I love it. But it doesn't dawn on me that I haven't killed any of the bacteria that have fermented this cabbage. They're all still alive. So I make this sausage, it's fresh, I link yeah. it, yeah. I, you know, I cook some right away and it's amazing. I'm super happy with it. This is at the butcher shop in, in Syracuse that I helped yeah. open. And uh, I come in the next day and everything is green. And I go, oh shit, what happened? And then it, it's like, oh, duh. Yeah. So I go home and I talk to my wife about it. She's like, well, did, did you cook the kimchi? And I was like, no, well, there's your problem. So she used to do, one of the first things that she made me when we got dating was, uh, was this sauteed kimchi. And it just, because it like caramelizes a little bit, um, it, it kind of sweetens it up. It kind of softens up the, the fermentation profile on it a little bit. So it, when she did it for me, I thought she was just dumbing stuff down for a white kid. But what it, it's an actual real thing. Yeah. And especially for like the lettuce wraps, it's just this nice little like complex flavor that you're not going to get from just Samjan, yeah. from just Gochujan, from any of those like individual things. It's just like it's fun. Um, so, it changes it completely. Yeah. Just like the stages of actually kimchi itself. Like, I love, we make probably about, I don't know, I want to say 44, probably about 60 quarts of kimchi a week. Really? Yeah. It's, no kidding. I got at least three or four guys now that know my recipe and know how to do it, and they we produce like four Lexans worth twice yep. a week. Because we go through a lot of it. We yeah. use it. Um, not so much right now because we only have it in the Korean sit-down. But when we had it like in the, the noodles with the shrimp, the Korean udon noodles, dude, we used to blow through tons of kimchi. But like, so when we make it, after it's salted and it gets all mixed together and you put it in the thing to start fermenting, I love the fresh kimchi. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah. that day, I will take a bowl of that and eat it with just rice. How gassy is that mean? Um, I don't have any problems with it, man. I really, I, I really I don't like, have uh, any problems with it. I feel like if I eat kimchi too soon... But I have like a sensitive stomach too. Like really, like I know for sure. Like, like a lot of that stuff is like. like I don't know if it's, it just makes me feel like super bloated. Does it? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess everyone's stomach reacts different to yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Because like when I have it when it's fresh, no problems. Yeah. I like eating it throughout stages. So we do a two day ferment. Um, it seems to work perfect for us. Yeah. It's not too sour. It doesn't freak too many of the the, peop, the customers out yep. because you know it's not too funky yet. So yeah, the two yeah. day is perfect. Then we refrigerate and it's gone within three days. Yeah. Yep. I'll pull out a quart sometimes and put it somewhere and like mm -hmm. right, a week real or two. Funky? Yeah, yeah, I like it super sour, man. Yeah. So, so I typically, like the food. extra fermented stuff is what they'll make the chige with. It. Okay. Yeah. It, it's gone. It's like it's okay. It's gone so far. Yeah. yeah. Cook it. Cook yep. it. Yeah. Really. Right. So and and like, my wife will have. I mean various vegetables of kimchi, various levels of fermentation on kimchi, kimchi that isn't fermented, it's just like white kimchi that's just pickled, right? Yep. Um, 
cucumber kimchi. Sure. Like you got it all. My favorite. Ooh, the whole, you know. What is it called? Kaktugi? It's the the daikon kimchi. Okay. They just take daikon. You have kind of your basic ingredients, your shrimp, and you know you got your scallions and all that stuff. But it's just diced up big chunks of fucking radish, man. Yeah, just blue like radish. Favorite. Yeah. That's so the like, shit I like. Look for. Man. So that stuff the right there. No, it's not hot. It's just so crunchy yeah, and just like. Oh man, it's, that's the. the it's basically just a, a pickle yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. And, oh, and so it's a, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. And and moo pickled moo smells yeah. like like the worst shit in the world. Yeah. But it, it especially with like fried food or or super rich food, yeah. that like contrast of it, the like the the crispness of the like the the crunch, but like the acid and the salt, like so like you you go to like. Uh, um, like a Korean like fried chicken place, and that's yeah. why there's always a pickle daikon. Di yeah, yeah, there's always. Yeah, it's definitely a, a plus. That's like I remember as a kid growing up. I mean, my mom was basically out of my life at the age of five, so I didn't have any Korean influence. I had was basically based on my own like interest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, I uh, I just remember eating that kimchi and that being my favorite. Man. Yeah. I can't even explain why, but like if I'll go to Lee's sometimes, and if he has some made, I'll, I'll come pick it up. He makes it very mild though, and I like mine to be a bit more intense, a bit more spicy. Like, Who's I'm that? At this kimchi and it looks fabulous. Uh, Lee. Uh, Mr. Lee? Lee? Yeah. He's not making shit. His guy. Mr. Lee is super nice, but he's driving to uh, to New York City for all that stuff. Oh, he's, no, a, any, he's a great guy. Not anymore. So he lost that transport, that route of going there and picking oh, up yeah? buckets of kimchi. Because I was using that kimchi at first, because okay. I felt like it was a pretty decent product. Yeah. But now they make it and they sell it to you in port containers, and you can tell that it's. Homemade versus like what he used to purchase yeah. pre-made in buckets. Yeah. Uh huh. And uh, but he does make the kakui, the the radish kimchi, and I, I'll buy it even though I can make it. There's something about just buying something rather than making it. For me. I just went through that today with uh, Swan sausage. Yeah. I just dropped off 75 pounds of venison this morning to Swan's and to the to like to like not making a lot of my friends happy. Because there's a sausage day that we do. Like, yeah, I know. Well, I just that. found that out. Everyone was talking about it. Yeah, so I and it's like realize it's really stressful on me. Yeah, like to like organize all right, it all, get all the shit, all, get everyone like, together. Cost a, like a lot of my buddies have no idea to like what pork butts cost. Like, and I'm going to buy like to do a 50-50 blend. Yeah, and it's like I'm gonna make, and it's really tough to watch every stage of it too. To like watch my buddies like yep. I have to like, watch him. Oh my god, those links are so screwed up. And then like it's watching not this guy, it in. like this thing, that's not mixed at all. Like so, I'm like trying to be like the crew chief in there yeah. to like show all my buddies how to do it. And then like they're super happy that they made something at the end of it. But, but it's not, it's like, not even had, close. It's like salty <laughs> and like like you yeah. can tell like they, oh this wasn't double ground like all that shit. <coughs> I'm not knocking. That's the most common one too. Is not progressively or or you know you know doing a second it, grind at all. It's like the, uh, the Back to the Future. Biff! Putting a second coat on there. Just finishing it up now, sir. That only looks like a first coat to me. You're right, Sarah. It's yeah. only a first coat. Yeah, you got me there. You got me. It's it, it, it just like, I know that uh, I'm not going to be able to, like when, it's just, you know, it's such a weight off my shoulders. I do enjoy doing it. On a smaller um, scale. On a smaller scale. Yes. And I my, enjoy doing you know, everything on a smaller I grew, scale. And I the, the, grew up with my, my stepdad who, like, we would do a sausage day in January. And it would be, like, a 300, 400 pound sausage day. And it was a lot. And then, uh, but you know what? He had, like, 
guys doing it for 20 years with them. So, so they like, all knew they all had their part. Had, they knew what right, they were doing. All right, who's the most sober here? And I think that's like the fun part about being a chef is trying to introduce people that aren't familiar with it to doing it because you see the light in their eyes of the, the oh, instant yeah, gratification. Yeah. And that's a, that's but then the, it like drains your soul it, it, and your happiness kinda, out of you because you're watching them fuck it up and you're like, oh, it kind of hurts damn. me a little bit. It's yeah. like, <laughs> all right, cool. We just made, you know, 180 pounds of sausage. It just took us all day. That was 20 days in the field. Not that great. Right. And like, uh, I know you guys are all excited about it because you just made something, but for me, it's like, yeah. and then they're like, so what are we doing this Austin? I'm like, yeah, we're actually not. I, mean, I dropped it all off this one. And you don't want to use the word chef, but he is like the epitome of it. He's getting all uppity about his food yes, all of a sudden. Yes, he knows. I'm uppity. Yeah. I'm uppity. I, I feel like, um, you know, it was, it's funny because the, the word chef isn't a real, like in South Africa, so I've been spending a lot of time in South Africa, they, they call them chiefs. Like, and the, the the two South African guys I'm with, like, and I think it, I don't think Epic. it's, I don't think they have, um, I think they have a problem with the vowels of it, so it just right. comes out chief a lot, so they can't, like, the one kid we work with is named Elias, and they can't say Elias, it's Elias, Elias, and uh, for them to, like, say chef, it's, like, a hard word for them to say, so it, like, comes out chief, and I like chief so much better, because chief has a military connotation to it. And, and it's, like, it's that way in Spanish, too, yeah. it's, you know, and it, it's, yeah. uh, and I thought it was pretty, like, fun to hear that and oh say that. Oh, my God. You see the way that just blistered up when uh, it poured it on there? That's pure sex, baby. Oh. All right, boys. I do have a problem with the word chef, but it's, like, a respect problem. Because, like, like, Greg Johnson, you, like, you, you guys, like, real train, like, you know, badass chef. I feel like, I feel like, uh... I don't know. I know. I know. I care about my food. I know. I care about the people I'm serving a lot, and I know that like I love changing people's minds about stuff. Yes. Like this is that's what I live for. This is like uh, you know, are you gonna do your heart? Like oh my god, and like changing people's minds about what they're consuming and making sure that they care about it as much as I do moving forward, which is I think is a huge win. And so I, I think I said it the last time, but like um, somebody told me you're not that great of a bartender. But you get by a lot of your personality, and I think like everybody that, that sits at my tables knows I care about them very much, yeah. and like the food I'm putting in front of them, I worked really hard. Well, that certainly is like to me, chef is like two things, right? Like it is this not being one of the two things; it's overglorified, right? Yeah. So a chef is a it's a position that you hold within an organization, which yeah. means it's nothing but a title, yep. right. right? So at its at its core it is just a title that you hold within an organization yeah. the same as ceo cfo sure. secretary whatever that's yep. just what you are right so at, at there there's the 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 real clinical end of it but then there's a, a philosophical end of it where you're trying to um to put thought care and effort into what is otherwise just a a mundane task yeah. right and like you're, you're you're trying to elevate it to something else and yeah you're doing both of those things yeah. right yeah. i can't agree more and the way he just described the sausage making with his friend shows that you also care about the entire process and i think that's what separates cooks from chefs the cook can come in meet out their station be ready for service and go yeah but do they care about the sauce that was prepared that took four hours from the saucier probably not they just care that it's there yeah do they care about you know, the dice of the onion they're supposed to use, or the confit of the garlic they're supposed to use? Probably not. But the way you describe like the sausage making, 
Yeah. You can deny this for the rest of your life. No, no. I, but it's I, like you deserve to have that respect because you have that respect. With your, to me, a chef is a person that cares from everything from the beginning of ordering it, yeah. receiving it, preparing it, cooking it, serving it, and disposing of it. Mm. That person there is a chef to me because yeah. they care about the whole entire operation as it's intended to be. You have your cooks, you have your sous chefs, you have your chef de parties, you have all these different positions, but there's one executive chef. And I think that that person is responsible for the caring of everything. Yeah. The father of the kitchen, the chief yeah, yeah. of the, the brigade. You know, it's just, it, that's what matters the most is the mentality yeah. of the person that's running. It is, um, like, everybody there has a very specific, like, in this last lodge I was at, everybody there has a very specific job. Like, you know, this guy's the head guide, head hunter. This guy's the, you know, um, the farmhand this is the owner like everybody there has their role and um i feel like uh it's pretty badass like that you know the kitchen i'm working in is probably the footprint of this but it's, it's a badass kitchen yeah and everybody walks in there and is like jeff what can i do to help you and it's, it feels good you know yeah. like it's a it is a cool i feel good about it and it's weird to like go from certain circles of friends to like today like at that table like a lot of those guys are like very good friends of me mine and are uh, probably sick of hearing the stories and then there's these other groups of friends like like that are like so tell me about this and like this and this and it's like never that like i don't want to talk about it anymore i want to talk about it. like it's you know like when um when you haven't seen somebody and they lost somebody like not too long ago the last thing you want to do is like a month later be like oh i'm so sorry to hear about your friend like yeah, you just don't want to like, bring it up yeah. like you know like as a friend they're gonna hug you and they're like it's so good to see you and have that like right. real back and forth like I care about you, right. which I think I'm I'm starting to have that like feeling a lot in the kitchen. Sure. It's like pretty pretty cool. You well, know, you should have. <clears throat> when I opened Nosh, I never had the intention to make anyone call me chef. Right. I was like, you know what? We'll just go and play this by ear and just see how it goes. But then it's like. As we opened and as we did things, like there wasn't a person that wouldn't call me chef. It's like I lost my name and I became chef. But it's also like a respect thing. You're like, all right, this is good. These guys are working for me. They, they choose to call me chef. I never demanded it. Mm -hmm. And when it happens on its own, it's way more yeah, gratifying. Yeah. I thought that was, it, and that's how it happened. But like Kevin said, you could guys. get a position, I, you're uh, the chef. It is what it is. People are forced to call you that. So like two things, like number one, I, I worked with a guy. Uh, I, did a, I did this thing. So first of all, so there's definitely the lettuce wrap style, right? Like a yeah. little bit of everything in a bite, right? While we're talking and while we're doing everything too, like get some of the beef. There's a couple of things over here on the on the plate. There's uh, there's just like straight up salt and pepper. Yep. There's the the samjan, which is like a, a vegetable dipping sauce. Um, sam uh, being the like uh, uh, what you're gonna wrap, right? That's mm -hmm. the wrap, and the john being the uh, the 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 paste itself. The guy then, that buys the hooker. Yeah. <laughs> John, yeah. We're called the Johns. Yep. Yeah. And then over here is uh, sesame oil and salt. So like just with just the, the, the beef itself, like just take a piece and kind of like corner in there and dip in here. Yep. Try that by itself and then try it with just the sesame oil too. And see how like different like that flavor profile yes. gets. Yeah. One of my favorite things to eat as a kid was just rice, lettuce, and sandra. Mm -hmm. Like just, just that. Like I, I used to have the bagui skewers on the menu, the last menu I had. Sure. We would make 
three quarts of it at each batch, and we go through that in two days. Mm. People loved it. They're not familiar with it. It's one of the greatest things. It's one of the. It's expensive. Um, It's a. Like people now know of gochujan, right? Like yeah. gochujan being, to me, a, a widely superior flavor profile to what everybody loves being sriracha. Yes. But you know that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you know the samjan is is an even more complex flavor from that, and it's got a little bit of texture to it, right? It's got a little bit of like chunkiness. Chunk. You got your onions in there, right? Like garlic. there's some bean and, and yeah, whatnot. It's all from in the, there. What is the sauce called? Kev the not the gochujang, but the, the other one. Dongjang? The oh. soybean? It's like the, the Korean miso. Uh, Duenjang. Duenjang. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's used in that as well, traditionally, right? And gochujang. So Duenjang is, is basically Korean miso. Yes. And so, like, when we would make our, um, you know, it, it, there's a, a Korean soup that is it just, it's more of like a brown as opposed to like a yellow or a red that you'll see a lot of misos, right? Um, it's It's great. But yeah, no, so it's... All of those things, but uh, God's good. This this Korean style cooking is just it's just fun, right? Yeah. Like pass Very it around, have fun with it. Well, that was like the model of Nosh for me. So I grew up in in Arizona. I had a lot of uh, Vietnamese friends, Cambodian, um, Lao, and we used to do we take like electric skillets and put them on the table. Sure. Yeah. And then we just cook a bunch of seafood on there, vegetables on it. You'd be constantly just adding oh, more yeah, to yeah. it and eating yeah, it, yeah. and. Uh, We'd spend like four hours eating and talking and drinking around a table. Mm-hmm. So when I created Nosh, I was like, I want it to be more of an experience for people that's interactive. Mm-hmm. When people can smear something on a lettuce leaf or roll something up or put in a steam bun, it just creates more excitement. Yeah. And it's kind of like a choose your own ending book. Yeah. You can choose to fuck up your dish if you want, or you can choose <laughs> to make it delicious. <laughs> it all rests on your ability to like explore and experiment. And I think that's what like was like kind of like encapsulated me as a chef. Sure. I just wanted people to have that enjoyment to kind of have a choice, but then also be forced to try new things. You know, it's it's funny because I think sometimes my wife thinks that I don't enjoy Korean food um, just because it's not the first thing that I want to eat mm-hmm. when I think of comfort or, sure. you know, any of those types of things, right? So, um, but my, you know, my wife will always say that the the number one thing that brings her comfort in food is just plain white rice. Really? Boom! Right here. This yeah, yeah. It, this right here is health. It's comfort. It's uh, it's love, right? Yep. And like, what a cool thing! Uh, and how many ways that she, you know, she'll eat rice. But like, I love Korean food, and like my relationship with it has been really really fun with like learning about it and ways that like. Um, it is similar to ways that we eat in way you might not think of it that way, but like bibimbap is just a Korean garbage plate. Yes, all day. Right? Yes. Um, which is hilarious because bibimbap is also just an example of like brilliant use of leftovers. Oh my God. It's wow. leftovers with a great, you know, marketing person, executive, because really it's all they're doing is they're taking everything that's left, right? Yep. They're taking all the little, uh, you know, pieces of like side dishes and they're like, okay, well we got to use it all. So let's make bibimbap, we'll get rid of it all. And then we'll we'll make all new fresh stuff and, and we'll eat all of that with, with our meals moving forward. Brilliant. Uh, you know, the, 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 the soups and the stews, the style of cooking. It's like you got potatoes left. All right, turn it into a banchan. All of it, right? It's great. And and being very resourceful. But even if you think about a Korean meal too, like the meat is not like here in the United States. Like 
center of the plate, right? Oh, yeah, we talk no. about center of the plate, and that's not a thing. Center of the plate is there, like, you're gonna sit down, you're gonna have a bowl of rice, mm -hmm. you're gonna have a bowl of soup, there's gonna be a bunch of little pickled uh, dishes and, 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 you know, different banchan and, and whatnot that you're gonna eat, and then a little bit of fish or a little bit of meat. Protein's always, like, the last focus. Right, and, and, it, and you know, Typically at the table too, it's they, they give it to all the kids. Like, okay, kids, go ahead, you can have it, right? The meat? Yeah. Um, Man, it's true because like I have, I follow some people on Instagram, like Korean families that I like watching. Yeah. Same thing. The dad, his favorite thing is when he gives all of his kids the short rib and he keeps that little piece of cartilage of meat around the bone. They all give it to him, so he gets a bowl full of this, and mm -hmm. they get the meat. But he like really enjoys. That's that what part. I end up eating all the time. Me too. My kids don't want the the fat cap the on the part, outside yeah. of the galbi, and they oh. don't want the the. Uh, intercostal around the rib itself. So I'm getting all the chewy, fatty, oh, yeah. unctuous yep. stuff, right? Yep. Yep. Or whatever is left over when they're done. Yep. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that. I'm into it. But like, so like this, and I love sharing this. So like, like you're talking about how much you like sharing like an experience yeah. with people, right? Like. Nobody does this. Like no. my friends don't understand what this is about. We can't right? have conversations. You're sitting there stuffing your face with a big twenty ounce steak, you know, just to yourself. It's like here we are sharing, and this is probably less than twenty ounces altogether. And Correct. How many people are going to eat off? Of it? Exactly. And, and enjoy it. And and, and it's, but sometimes you don't like to hear people talk, and uh, that's where a big twenty ounce steak comes in hand. I mean, you got sure. a point like, there too. Here, here you go. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Eat that. Yeah. yeah, I'm all set with you. Pretty good, right? All right, great, good, good, good. And it's it, it's funny though how like in the United States everybody wants to start doing this now. And if you go to Korea, yeah. the American-style steakhouse yeah. is like, and, and charcuterie and all of these things yeah. that like, right now they're starting to hit there. It's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. That's uh, another one of those words the South African guys can't say, charcuterie. They get stuck on words, it's hysterical. Yeah. Because you realize like this is their second language. But even their eating style, all that stuff is like, it's neat to like tiptoe into somebody else's world, you know? Oh, sure. Always. And um, he's like, uh, chef, what is that word? Like it's charcuterie, charcuterie. No, charcuterie. Because it's yeah, you know, yeah. It's a totally different word. That's hard for me to say. Shit. And uh, <laughs> well, it's just great because like every once in a while he'd be like, "What's it mean?" I'm like, "Ah, it means like deli. It means like you know, like it's like uh, you know, all just sliced meats and stuff." He's like, "Why don't they just say that?" I'm like, "I don't uh, know." It's not as fancy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. Like, otherwise, we're just having lunchables. goddammit. it. Well, right, that was right. the thing. Like, thirteen years ago, when I first started dating Amy, she brought me to Good Luck, and I was, you know, like pretty savage kid at that point uh very feral and um we went to good luck and i'm like this place is pretty cool and like they brought out a charcuterie for us and i was pissed it was like 20 dollars. i'm like it's a ham sandwich it's like <laughs> right. there's like two pieces of ham over here a couple pieces of cheese over here it's and like little tiny like hey this is a ham sandwich she's like you're embarrassing me. And like, <laughs> I'm like, you, this is bullshit. Like, we'll go swans across the street. Like, we'll have like twenty dollars worth. Right. Of this. Yep. Like, and uh, you know, that's but it is uh, it is funny how that kimchi is phenomenal. That right. Kimchi is awesome. And and it God, it's so okay much. kimchi, but man, you sear it in some fat. Yeah. It, 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 like I'm doing that in beef fat. You do it in some butter. Yeah. Shut the front door. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I think the beef fat wins, uh, bro. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, bro. And, and that's another, like, problem. I'll respect it. You know this, too, because I know you've played with it. Oh, kimchi and yeah. cheese, baby. Kimchi and, and dairy want each other so bad. Mm. Right? Like, I'm uh, so... I've been fooling around in my head with, like, a 
like a kimchi, kimchi cream sauce, mm. kimchi cream sauce, or like a, a like a, a, a Mornay, like just like with some some of this like seared kimchi like loaded Take into some it. Classical French, and then add some. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah just totally chef. fuck with it. Like a, a like a soft like farm cheese with mm. kimchi on the outside. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's, I got a Korean poutine on my menu right now. Yeah. Just french fries topped with like cheese curds, gochujang cheese sauce. I like these little bits. And yeah. then, you know, it's got the bulgogi and it's got like the, the, the quick pickled uh, cucumbers and the kimchi on it. I love it. But now I'm like rethinking this. That I feel like this cooked kimchi and beef fat on top of those fries would be 10 times better. Mm -hmm. Man. And that's just necessity, right? Like, yeah. I had it, so I might as well use it. Yeah. I love that. That was the whole reason why I did the beef fat fries. Yeah. Oh, why geez, buy? don't fucking talk about those fucking things. Like, why buy fryer oil, man? I got oh, it. There don't was, do um, that. Those fucking fries. There was, nobody walked into that store for the first time without, like, me being, like, when I walked in with them, I'm like, what should I get? Bulgogi beef fat fries. Oh. Have you never been here before? Bulgogi beef fat uh -huh. fries. It's easy. And it was, like, so funny to, like, watch people eat beef fat fries. I'm like... These are so good. I'm like, yeah, they're the best thing in the world. You will gain a few pounds. Well, that's uh, the other thing, right? Is the, I hate to say it, but the beef fat for those fries made it a healthier option than having just your vegetable right. hydrogenated whatever, right? You don't look at it like that. You look at it like, oh my God, it's, it's fried in It's so delicious. But you're like, it really is less it, complex like, um, than the bullshit you serve in like the tri fry blends and all that other shit. There's yeah, no hard, there's hardly any hard disease in this country to old 50s. Right, like they, this is what's, this isn't like, like wild skeptic, like this isn't like conspiracy theory shit. There's like really no heart disease in this country until they started modifying syrups like, uh, yeah. or oils. Like when they were like, oh, get away from lard and let's go to uh, canola oil or uh, whatever Crisco, any of that shit, like where mm -hmm. they're like started screwing around with those oils and start changing how people consume stuff. Fuck All of a sudden, heart disease, you know, when when it, I don't feel better than when there's no seed oils, when I'm not consuming sugar, when when there's oh no, yeah, when, when I'm just eating you know eggs, greens, and meat. I don't, like, I can't feel that. I wake up in the morning, like, let's go. Like, I agree with people nowadays who say, like, there's no such thing as, like, eating quote-unquote clean. Right. But, like, that's the way that eating like that certainly makes me feel. Oh, 100%. So you can't, so you can't tell me I different. I can't, you can't tell me. When I have, when I'm, like, three or four days into venison, and, like, those eggs I buy around the corner, that are that, that and you know is like living a good life and not having all this shit pumped into it and like eating organic whatever from you know greens i, I can i'll pile through a wall like i don't feel better yeah. like, than i do when i'm doing it. like just drinking a gallon of water today like doing all like it's like the magic recipe for like how my body functions the best way and i know for sure even like the last two days where i've been eating like the tempura, which is, you know, flour yeah. and like I'm cooking it in like uh, peanut oil. Like I look, my belly's distended. <laughs> I don't feel good. Like I feel it in like, Your I feel like, like everything's inside yeah. me. I'm like, and imagine like never not knowing that. Oh, sure. Like, like I know that if I eat this today, I'm going to feel that tomorrow. Imagine just like, that's just your 
baseline. Like, yep. that's how you feel all the time. You have no idea what's wrong with you. You have no idea why your back hurts all the time, all that stuff. Like, I can tell you, like, my back hurts today because, A, I was fishing three days ago, and, like, I was on a boat rocking and rolling the whole time, and it was super cold, and I probably tweaked my back. Or it's because I ate a shit ton of gluten two days ago, and it's starting to process through my body. Yep. But, like, no being able to pay attention to your body to notice those what could otherwise be described as a, 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 a minuscule, like, difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you wouldn't necessarily know it unless you know it. Nope. I, I know what my baseline is. That came from Whole30 for, like, a month of, like, knowing I have sugar, gluten, like, issues. Right. And that's why, I pretty, well, that was one of the big reasons I stopped drinking beer, because that's all sugar and gluten. Yeah. So. Well, so, boys, we've talked about... Hunting. Yep. We've talked about gluten. <laughs> We've talked about Korean food. We've talked about getting lost in the woods, getting dehydrated. Um, I don't know. Pretty good conversation, yeah? Absolutely. And I think a lot of the conversation kind of led for me to kind of like take a step back and realize the influences that really kind of paved the way for who I am today very indirectly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very indirectly. Well, I, I, I have a, when I think of, like, guys I have a lot of respect for, you know, Greg was here yesterday, you, you, and we don't, we, like, we don't interface much, like, no, we message a lot yep. through stuff, and it's like, we're always keeping tabs on each other and stuff, but I have an immense amount of respect for you, and for sure. um, the only reason I feel semi-comfortable having the moniker chef is because of him. Sure. Like, no, dude, you're, you're doing it, and, like, he wrote this pretty prolific thing about, like, what a chef is, and, like... And I was like, I guess I fit all that stuff, and I should probably become more comfortable with that term. It's a weird thing. I don't feel comfortable with it here, and I feel comfortable, very comfortable with it when I'm at work. Yeah. Mm, that's a mirror. That's a looking in the mirror thing right there. That's a very, whole. No, that's a whole other podcast. Very yeah. weird, isn't it? I'm trying to think if I ever had a problem accepting that too. And I was like that for a lot of years of my career. Yeah. I really was, and I, I'm trying to pinpoint like what it was. It was a respect thing too. I mean, yeah. I grew up in this industry, kind of old school. But ah, I can't pinpoint the, the turning point yeah. where I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I am a chef. Like, yeah. this is what I do for a profession. If you get paid for it, you're a professional. Yeah. You get a paycheck, right? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What the fuck, man? Yeah. yeah. You, know? I, at the, at the, you could be a one-man chef. You could be in charge of 30 people. I guess it all just depends on where you're at. But I think that, like I told you, I think the most important part is caring about the entirety of it from the beginning to the end. And having respect for the ingredients, respect for the customers, respect for everything. I mean, obviously, you give a shit whether or not, you know, they go to bed that night happy, full, when, you know, beyond, like, blown away by expectation. I mean, I think that that's, like, what you strive for. I, somehow, I think, like, the way I am starting to feel comfortable with it is because I feel like a teacher to a lot of these guys that are, like, are hunters, but have no idea how to process their own animal, how to cook their own stuff. So, if that is, like, the part that I can start owning. Yeah. Like, where I'm dealing with these badass hunters who, like, are killing animals all over the country and, like, have tons of racks on the wall and, like, what you expect, like, from, a, like, a guy that's proficient in the woods, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to cook it. And he right. doesn't know how to, like, process it. And, like, he's standing yeah. there, like, all these things are, like, new to him. And then all that is is, like, my old man's voice inside my head of, like, all right, you want to hit that ball joint just like this and, like, sure. pop it yeah. this way and lean it this way. And Well, I, I it's funny because I always, my, the way I describe you to people, um... Because, you know, I, the way I used to say it is my beer buddy, right? Yeah. But that's 
that's not the definition of you in any way, shape, or form anymore. Yeah. Uh, so when I describe you now, I, I, I kind of refer to you as my, my, my friend that is a steward of the outdoors, right? Yeah. And to me, like a steward of the outdoors means that like you are interested in what it takes to maintain and preserve it, but also what it takes to get the people around you to do that exact same thing, which is both leading by example and teaching them what they have to do. Yeah. And I think to get back to my definition of chef, that's kind of it too, yeah. right? Because if you're going to be a chef, then you're going to be a pos in a position to lead like you're talking about. And if you're going to be in a position to lead, then you're either yelling and pointing or, or you're, oh, yeah. or you're waving them along yeah. with, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's, well, and you know, shoulder to shoulder, neck deep in it with them. Yeah. And, and you know, we're going to dig out of this hole together, right? Like it's right there and I can't yeah. get there without you. Yeah. So let's, no one's coming to save us. Right. Yeah. So let's let's do yeah, that. Right. What's well, um, like the cans? Like we all know, I, nobody ever just said it was a butcher shop, because it wasn't just a butcher shop. To me, it wasn't. You guys did so much creative, fun, funky shit there, that it, it was just phenomenal. I wish we had time to do more. Um, you know, unfortunately, the the reality of that was the the stuff that was fun wasn't the stuff that made money. And that's also as a chef, you yeah. have to realize you're cooking for other people, not for yourself. Yeah. Well, you're you were changing people's minds a lot on the other side of the counter about like it's changing my underwear more often than anything else <laughs> it's funny as i was like shitting my pants going am i going to be able to pay the bills none of us can take a compliment I know. <laughs> like, we're just so terrible at it but it is funny like to think like you constantly like watching you in your vehicle in your showcase like change people's minds because it's easy to sell a ribeye it's easy to sell a freaking porterhouse it's easy to sell a piece of filet like everybody knows what that is it's super sought after not so easy to sell like a Denver cut or a Bavette or oyster cut and like explain to those people like why that is. What's really cool about that is like when you do change those people's minds, they will go deeper into it and then they're hopefully having that ripple effect of like, oh, yes. I got this piece of cans. Yes. I yeah. know something you might not know. Check out how good this is. Oh, fuck, sure. dude. And then, if I had a dollar for every time I told somebody to try the fucking bologna sandwich and the oh, yeah. fucking fries yeah. or the sloppy joe yeah. or like everything i remember the first time i went there one of my uh, my general manager was like hey let's go check out this place and i said yeah i've been looking at my grandmother when i moved to rochester when you opened up she saved this whole article that you had had and said you've got to go check this fucking place out it looks yeah. like well, obviously she didn't say fucking but she's like, sure, gotta go did. check this place she out cool she's shit. like you lady. gotta check it out Down and it seems like right up your alley and sure as shit man i was just blown away and that was chef driven and that's another thing. It's, it was chef-driven. Obviously, you went to culinary school. Yeah. You, you, got, you did the whole nine. I mean, you're a certified chef. So is my wife, man. Yeah. I mean, it, that, and that was a huge misperception while we were there was that she wasn't a oh. cook, a chef, oh, yeah, a yeah. creative force. Uh, uh, and you know, I, I didn't know that love, until you dragged me through your kitchen that one day. And you're like, oh, my wife this, my wife that. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, she's the one doing it. I'm like, that is freaking amazing. One of my favorite things in any bar restaurant experience is like knowing the owner mm -hmm. as like a female, right? And sure. having a competitor, like competitor, beer guy, like food guy, whatever it was, like walk in like, and talking to the owner and looking at the owner in the face, who's a female and saying, is the owner around? <laughs> 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 oh, you just shot yourself. And there was no greater experience than watching that with Mo. Sure. Like, <laughs> Cause she would play into it. She would, she would let you hang yourself with all oh, the slack you wanted to take best. on that it one. It was the freaking best. Yeah. It, the kid from Remarkable Liquids did that. Mm. Like, walked in and looked at Mo in the face and goes, Is he on Because I just want to sell like, some shit. Oh. <laughs> There's a whole episode on Mo scaring people in the, bu in the okay. building. That's yeah. like, 
She scared uh, uh, every single one of us. She scared Singer out of a shirt in the dining room. Really? She walked right up to a, a circle of, of big, burly, bearded beer dudes. She walked right up to Mike Singer. Mike Singer, who's uh, stronger than a baby gorilla and scares the hell out of me. Really? Oh, God. Have you ever... Uh, just shaking his hand scares the shit out of me. I feel like he's going to do a Hulk thing and just go, no, no, no. Right? Uh, but he's the nicest dude in the world, right? But he walks right up. She walks right up to him. Nobody saw me. She walks right up to him and goes, I like your shirt. And he goes, thanks. And tries to like go about his conversation. She goes, no, no, no. I want it. I think this happened to me. I think she Take did this that shirt to me. off. I think she did this to me. And, oh, man. and he was just like, really? Is it a button down shirt? Yeah. It was me. She did that to me. Oh, she did. She, the, oh, she, she did, did to all multiple us? people then. I, I was there for the singer Damn, one because I remember him looking that. around going, huh? She definitely got one of my, she's got my beer shirt, my Reeb shirt. Yeah. Yeah, does. my Oscar Blues. Does. That's your. It's hanging too. in my closet. Thank you. That's your oh sweet. God, that's funny. It says it's like the it's the two knuckles because he uh, Dale started a bike company called Reed. Okay. And one of the guys from Oscar Blues was like, dude, like you should wear this shirt. It's badass. And it says beer on its two knuckles come together. It says beer on one side and Reeb on the other. I'm like, that's such a sick shirt. And Mo, like, punked you for it. Like. I don't know. She had a knife in her hand. I felt like there might have been a knife. And she's like, "That's a nice shirt." I'm like, "Thank you." And then, like, that was her shirt. All of a sudden, it's like I'm standing there. Welcome to my marriage. And that will do it for another meeting. Uh, <laughs> before I get myself in lots of trouble. But uh, Joe, thanks, man. I pleasure. Really, pleasure. Honestly, it's always great to talk to you. Yes, it was. It's funny when uh, Jason and I started talking about this process. You know, because I thought about doing. The podcasts with you and Chris, and and you know it was it was great experience. So I you know I wanted to obviously sit down and chat with you well, right off the bat. So. We got we got plans for you. Yeah, this all it is my goal to get you in the woods. We'll see what happens. It's not such a fun. I'm not against it. Here. I'm not against it. I mean, it. like this is a nice backyard. You can shoot a bow here. Oh, for yeah. sure. And I need more of an excuse to stay up on mine. So you go hunt, right? That's what yeah. I majority do. I'm telling you, man. You're 20 minutes away from Bloomfield. Yeah, yeah. How far are you from? Uh, Again, you're not. Uh, Springwater is where I hunt. You're not hurting my feelings. So right here, I'm into you it. Go right by it. Yeah, I go 15A. And Let's go, dude. That's, I have an old bow. We gotta shoot some guns too. Yeah. I'm gonna shoot some guns. Period. Period. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. Like, it was a pleasure. I appreciate I, you inviting me. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate you being too. See you next time. <laughs>